Welcome to Mitz Off, episode 17. Today we are interviewing someone I've wanted to have on for a long time, Mr. Brady Leavold. Brady is a former professional hockey player who is now a mental health advocate and skills coach, among a number of things. Uh, he has a story that is incredibly telling and brave and courageous, and it's something you guys are going to want to hear. Mitz Off is powered by Sports Interaction, our exclusive betting partner and your homegrown sports book. Download the app to get started, 19 plus, and as always, please play responsibly. Here we are again with another episode of Mitz Off. I'm very excited about today's interview. Uh, we have a man with an incredible story, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Uh, joining us today is Brady Leavold. He drove down from Muskoka to give us his time today. Braid. Thank you, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I've been uh, following along, love the show, and uh, you know, friends with some of your past guests as well, but I love what you're doing here and uh, appreciate uh, you bringing me down. I should say, man, I thank you for that. I told uh, our producer, Darren, before we got going, uh, after every episode, you're one of the guys that always sends me a message and says, great epi, and you've been on our side since day one, so I appreciate it, man. Um, I was telling D too, so the first time I ever met you and saw you, I walked into this community arena in... Brampton and I walked in there's about 20 hockey players in there uh, it was for the filming of this docu-series Borier where I didn't know whether this thing was going to get picked up or where we were going but I'll never forget I walked in and you were literally telling a group of like random stranger hockey players <laughs> your story just like <laughs> spilling your guts and then I just remember thinking like how cool that was I, I had so much respect for you in that moment because here's a guy that didn't know anyone around or in the dressing room and like I thought that was so cool first of all um, did your scene make it through in Borea can you tell me a bit about <laughs> who you portrayed and uh, your role in the movie yeah first off it was just such a great experience and and that moment was well, it's kind of cool just to touch on that quickly. I just think, you know, my story is, is sometimes hard to hear and I can be a lot, but it, it's also an opportunity. You just never know what anybody may be going through in any given room. And, and sometimes by being vulnerable, we can help people. So uh, it's cool that you remember that. Um, but yeah, just a, a great experience all around. I got to play Bobby Clark. I got that. Oh yeah, that's Clarky. If I ever t seen it. T t teeth out for sure. Um, but man, I, I loved your scene for sure. They did such a great job. I they did. I did make it in a, a very brief appearance. Uh, if you blinked, you'd literally miss it. I. Uh, but it was one of those moments where, yeah, it was just kind of cool to to be involved in and to be a part of just a, what a story that he has and um, just to see what goes into creating something like that was was an honor and a privilege. Uh, so the, the docu-series, actually, it's a six-part series called The Journey of a Legend. It's on Crave now. Go check it out. I played Dave the Hammer Schultz. I was actually supposed to just be an extra, too. I don't know if you knew, knew this. I was just supposed to be on Philly as well. But I got there, and I was skating around, and the director pulled me over and was like, hey, we have no one to play Dave Schultz, and you are Dave Schultz. Would you like to do that? And I was just like, yes. You, you yes, kind of played the same role as, as Dave the Hammer, too. So, yeah, they, they nailed it with you. But, yeah, I, I would strongly suggest everybody check it out i i really believe they did a great job and it's just so fun to be a part of it yeah it really was man and yeah that is the thing i mostly remember dude was i i walked in and um i think someone had asked about your history or something like that or i'd heard your name or seen you on instagram and uh you know you were basically just an open book so um i just want to you know get to know you a bit obviously you're not from here. You grew up in BC, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just outside of Vancouver, Port Coquitlam. It's about 30 minutes from, 
from downtown Vancouver and and started playing hockey at the age of five and I'm sure just like you and probably a lot of people watching or listening to this show had the same dream of of one day you know being becoming a professional hockey player and and kind of got pretty close but had some struggles along the way yeah did you always know from a young age that you wanted to be a hockey player play pro for a living I just nothing else interests me like, <laughs> it was all I wanted to do school uh, you know I look back at the way that I was it, it just it was all I was thinking about all day whether I was in class it, I just want to get home and have a stick in my hand and I think I don't ever know, know if I ever believed in myself enough and this is something that you know I tell parents a lot and and players that I coach the young ones even the guys who have already made it like keep believing in yourself because it's really powerful I just feel like I didn't have uh, enough belief in myself and I don't think people surrounded me and I'm not saying it's their fault but I just don't think I had the the right pieces to kind of actually allow myself to believe because everyone's always saying you know it's only you know 0. 0.00 whatever percent chance of making it and it's a lot that goes into it but what about the ones that do make it like you like somebody's got to make it and uh you know I think I always wanted to be a hockey player but more than anything I just loved the way that it made me feel I loved playing the game. It was so fun and I had a lot of struggles in my early life and, and hockey kept me, um, kept me from having to think about all of that. Yeah. Did it, and is that kind of where the story starts for you? Was it leaving home? Was it, you know, younger? Where, do, where does the Brady leave old stars? Story yeah, start? it's going to be hard to hear Luke. And this is something that, you know, has been, you know, I travel around and I speak and I share my story, but it's still not easy to do. When I was a young boy, I was sexually abused and, um, you know, it's something that one in six boys go through one in three girls and something that, um, obviously it was really hard to go through at a young age. Uh, but thankfully I had hockey, um, and hockey was that, that sort of safe space for me. And so, you know, very early on, you know, I, I learned how to, you know, try to make sure that nobody knew what was going on with me. And I would put on different masks in whatever room that I had to go in. Uh, but always when I was playing hockey, that was sort of where I felt confident. That's where I kind of felt like I belonged. Um, and, uh, and, and I spent a lot of time doing it. When you spend a lot of time doing something, um, you know, as, as well as I do, that you get pretty good at it. And that's sort of what happened. And I was able to uh, move away from uh, home at 16 to, to play in the Western Hockey League with the Swift Current Broncos. But uh, thinking I was going to go live out a dream, it, it quickly kind of shifted into a nightmare due to some of the circumstances, but also some of my, uh, my own choices. I just look back and I'm like, man, I was not ready uh, to, to move away from home. Home. And uh, unfortunately, um, not only did my hockey career struggle because of that, but I also struggled uh, personally with my mental health and 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 some self medication started early yeah. on. Well, it's interesting you say that because junior hockey is it's a struggle, man. It's and especially for kids that are that young, it's it's interesting you say that they're not ready. I remember so many kids off the top of my head that I looked at and I was like, this kid is not even ready to be moving away from home. I think I was mature enough at that age, but. It, it's not an easy atmosphere on or off the ice, moving away from home, away from your parents, away from family members, friends. It's the, that, that's not an easy living. eh? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely challenging. I think from, from somebody who came to like always being one of the top end players, never being cut from a team, you, you move into the Western hockey league, you find out real quick that, Hey, there's a lot of other players in Western Canada and certainly the world that are better than you. And it's going to be a long journey. Um, so that was hard. Like that was where hockey start, 
like started to kind of stop working as that 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 outlet for me because I didn't feel as confident going to the rink. It didn't give me that same sort of natural high that it had for so long. Um, and unfortunately for me, and like this is a common story years ago, I didn't have the best leadership group, older guys, and and they made my life and, and not just my life, but, but really challenging on a day in and day out basis. It was sort of this rite of passage for hockey players. I went through it, so I'm going to do it to you, the rookie hazing and all of that. Um, and, and some people can go through it. And like, I think a lot of it is looked at, it should be in good fun. But when you're somebody who's already struggling and, and hiding a lot of things that people don't know about, um, it can, it can be taken a lot differently from each individual. And, and certainly I had a really hard time managing that. Um, and it showed on and off the ice. There, there was a hazing culture and thankfully for me in Erie, well, not thankfully, because there was an incident in the OHL my rookie year that led to the yeah. abomination of any of that stuff, basically across the CHL wide. But is is was that anything you experienced that led to some any type of trauma? Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. Anything from being locked in the bathroom with four other guys with no clothes on to showing up. You know, I remember being in high school in Swift Current and and already so nervous being a young guy on the team going to practice, just worried about do I have to take a pass on my backhand today and is it going to blow up and am I going to get yelled at? And I just remember, you know, having to go right from school, right to the rink, um, probably stayed up all night talking to my girlfriend the night before. So I'm already tired. Um, and I'm almost late for practice and I'd show up and my skates would be missing or my gloves would be missing. And quickly I'd find out that they're in the freezer frozen, you know, solid with ice which maybe to somebody else is a practical joke but i'm already so nervous going through all this stuff and i wasn't the type of guy that's going to run to the coach or the trainer and be like oh this is happening poor me just get the heat gun out start trying to get the ice out almost late for practice now you're already in a bad headspace i'm not feeling confident on the ice already now i'm dealing with this i mean a lot of that you know it, it led to, to problems off the ice it, you know first time I ever contemplated taking my own life was was throughout things that happened like that. I call my dad crying after my first game. I got an assist in my first game. I think our, your laptop's open looking at my, you look at the very first <laughs> stat, stat line, right? Yeah. One game, one assist. That's the, that's the story I'm talking about. That was my 16 year old year. And, and after that, I quit. I was like, I can't be here anymore. My dad's like, what do you mean? You don't like Swift Current? I'm like, I don't know if I want to be alive anymore because I couldn't handle the way that I was being treated at the rink and the way that I was talked to. And I didn't mind, you know, loading the bus or doing the rookie duties. It was literally bully culture and belittling. And I didn't, I didn't know how to handle it. And, um, and, and that really pushed me to the brink of not wanting to live. Cause I was like, this is all I've ever wanted to do. Like, and now I'm, you know, this is where I need to be. This is at 16. You can't play at a higher level, certainly back then, um, than the CHL, right? OHL, WHL, the Quebec major league. And there I was, but it didn't feel like a dream. And, um, and it was, it was really, really challenging. Um, and, uh, you know, it barely made it through it. Well, first and foremost, the strength it takes to even say something like that out loud. I know it's not the first time you've done it, but I applaud you for that and continuing to do it. Um, like you said, man, even if it affects one person in a positive way, that's it's an unbelievable thing. But yeah, it makes me sad to, to, to hear that even the amount of times I went through my career where this hockey is supposed to be your escape and it's supposed to be the thing you love, the very nostalgic thing from your childhood that you can feel in your heart. And when it starts to become such a negative thing in your life, man, it's, it's a terrible way to, to go about it. But do you, do you feel like, and it sounds like a lot of those off ice things and even the on ice struggles led to these eventual off ice? 
yeah, struggles I think as well? I think it all plays a part. Um, I think it's a, it's a matter of trauma from childhood, trauma that I experienced through being a, a young man playing junior hockey. Um, it, you know, on the outside, right? I try to portray this this you know, tough guy. I, you know, wasn't quite the fighter you were, but I fought a lot. And, 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 you know, I had friends back home that thought I was living out this dream and nobody knew that I was, you know, crying myself to sleep. And it just felt like there was times that, you know, it's like, well, what is there in this life that's going to make me happy if, if this is everything that I want. And now it's not the way that maybe I thought it would be. Um, I just think everything plays a part. I think it's a matter of not being educated enough, being way too naive and, and probably cocky at times as well. Never believing that, you know, one choice was going to, you know, affect my life and, and a series of one more choice after one more would, would eventually lead me to the places that it did. I'm still like, as I'm sitting here with you, I'm in disbelief of where my life went to. And now that, you know, I'm sitting here, I've found, I've come to find out that, you know, I, there are several guys that, you know, were our peers at different times or in the same leagues or equivalent leagues who are maybe are no longer here anymore because they were, went through similar things or who are struggling at this given moment. So, um, you know, I, I don't ever blame hockey, man, like hockey. I'm not sitting here without hockey. I'm not probably alive without hockey. Hockey is the best game in the world with some of the best people in it. I think there was just a, a, a way that hockey was maybe the culture was back then. And I always say, because a lot of people who, you know, end up coaching were players once when they were younger, then they were players and they went right into coaching. They've never really experienced anything but that culture. So when, you know, there's coaches and there's kids being bullied or hazed, they're like, oh, well, it's just part of the culture. That's what we went through. We're not going to say anything about it. Nobody really believes or, or could understand how, how maybe wrong it is. And I just, um, you know, I, again, I, I don't blame hockey. I think everything played a part. Um, but without the lessons that I learned from hockey and probably a lot of the stuff that I went through, you know, gave me uh, tools and, and knowledge of how to be resilient for some of the struggles that I would eventually face. Well, it is such a stigma that we're obviously trying to break. But even for me, like trying to be tough. And I, I remember my rookie year when I we were just talking about I turned pro at 19 we played against each other in the ECHL playoffs I was with Idaho that's when I turned pro and you were with Victoria and then my next year um being being a rookie I just thought everyone thought I was like this big tough guy right but you have I had such a soft interior and there was a lot of times where I was not doing very well at all but it's that stigma about I I wanted to have that really hard outer tough shell that looked unbreakable um but it's not wrong to be asking for help or anything like that. But just back then, I was always in that mindset that I just felt like felt like a pussy if I like <laughs> asked for help, you know, or said yeah. like I'm sad or whatever I want. Yeah. And I think that we're starting to break that stigma a bit. But it sounds like you went through a lot of that same thing, no? Well, 100%. I think if you look at the t- different times, I, I, I left teams for what would now be recognized as a mental health leave of absence. But I literally ran away with my tails between my legs because of that, because I was scared of, you know, looking weak or whatever, but what does it look like when you just quit and leave and you run away? Eventually, you know, it it all came out. But I I think there's a lot of guys that I talk to in hindsight now where I'm like, Hey, you know, when we were playing together, we're sitting across from each other. This is what I was going through. And a lot of them are like, Hey, me too, but I was never going to talk about it. I just, I wonder what it would be like if, if, the culture allowed for that. And I think we're in a a much better place, but I I get a lot of messages still, 
like every week from active players, both in professional and junior, who for the most part have professionals in their corner with their teams, but they still don't feel comfortable enough to go to them because eventually maybe is it going to get back to the coach? Is it going to get back to the GM? Is it going to get back to, you know, and is it going to affect my hockey career? And that was always in the back of my mind. So it was like, I'm never going to tell anybody. I'm never going to talk about it. But all that did because my life started to fall apart so rapidly. And if people don't know, but they have an idea, they'll start just to create their own narrative. And that's what happens. And people would eventually find out. I just wonder what it would be like if I, and I'm not saying my hockey career would have been any different or anything, but just my life would have been a little bit better. I know it would have been a lot better if I would have just been able to ask for help and actually talk about some of the stuff that I was going through, had I felt comfortable enough and in a place safe enough to do that. And it took me until maybe just close to four years ago to finally come out and start talking about this stuff. So when did you, when did you start realizing, I guess that addiction was the biggest problem or you, when did you start noticing the decline? Yeah, I think, I think if I look back, I, I notice it way earlier than I did going back to kind of talking about being naive and cocky and that'll never be me. This'll never, that'll never be my life. Yeah, sure. Maybe I'm drinking, maybe I'm dabbling with some drugs, but like being homeless or, or losing everything like, nah, man, I'm a hockey player. That could never be me. Um, I think the struggles really started when I was like 18, but the rails really started to fall off. Um, when I was 20, um, you know, I'm just gonna be blatantly candid because I think if, if we're going to be real here, we have to talk about the, the facts and, and the way that it is, because there might be young kids listening and, and the way, the way that it started for me, I would have never believed that's the way that it ended because it always starts fun. It's at a party. It's with a bunch of people start drinking, you know, got introduced to cocaine. And that was really the first kind of downhill spiral for me. Um, it felt like once I started, I couldn't stop. And then very quickly after that, I got injured, um, four games into my, I was with the Norfolk Admirals, blew my knee out and, you know, introduced to painkillers and, it seems like overnight I, I I was physically, emotionally, spiritually addicted to these pills, couldn't live without them. Nothing else mattered but these pills. I lost my hockey career, my family, um, and, and eventually, you know, it, it ended up in every street drug imaginable, homelessness, incarceration, um, and, you know, multiple suicide attempts, tens of overdoses where I just don't even understand how I'm alive um, by the grace of God or... or a higher power than me i'll say i'm i'm here um but you know i think it started back at being 18 like you know i i look back and i i really liked it i liked drinking and partying and and nowhere in my brain was there a possibility that it was ever going to end the way that it did but that's inevitable if you go down that path that's what happens and um and that's what happened to me and uh yeah, just very lucky, uh, very, very lucky to, to be alive, let alone be able to do all the things that I do. But it was junior hockey that you really started no, picking up the habits, I'd say. That's interesting, man, because I, you know, I've been through some shit in my life too, and I haven't been super public about what I've gone through, but I went through it later in my 20s, and I really hit it in pro hockey. It, it can happen at any at any given time, and it, that's why we have to be very mindful about who we hang out with and, and the choices we make because they have lasting impacts, not just on us, but the people around us as well. Can you expand on, I, I, we've never talked about this, and I would love you to maybe share expanding on the, the homelessness part. <laughs> like Nobody ever asked me this. I'm so glad you asked me this. I just, guy. I think like, it's, oh I think it's not phenomenal, but I just like, you, you never hear of a 20 year old kid 
playing pro hockey just came out of junior that is you know living shelter to shelter or however you were it was wild man it was uh it was a wild experience uh, especially where i was homeless the downtown east side in vancouver it's been notoriously known as the worst street in north america since the 1970s unfortunately the way of the world we're seeing homelessness at a skyrocketing across the certainly country here in canada um, but my whole life man i was going to connect games my dad would drive me by there and be like lock i'd lock the doors because i'm scared and and he'd be like, if you try drugs or if you don't go to school or whatever he'd say, this is where you end up. And I'm like, not me, dad. Like, <laughs> I'm different. I'm different, right? And, um, and sure enough, that's, that's where I ended up. But it, it doesn't happen overnight. It was, uh, it was many years before I got to that place. Um, but things just spiraled so far out of control. Um, but like I was as homeless as homeless gets, man. Shopping cart. Um, very rarely did I even want to stay in a shelter just because it's a whole other nightmare that people you don't understand unless you've lived it. Um, but very, um, very difficult times. And it's hard for me to say this, but I was very lucky that I was arrested because when I got arrested and taken off, literally I say I got rescued, <laughs> I got rescued. That's why I call myself a rescue. Cause I got to make some joke, got to make some light out of it now, because if I can't laugh about it, then, then where am I at? Um, but when I got when I got picked up and like this really bad batch of stuff went through the downtown east side and killed almost 2000 people in like a month, all the people that I was hanging out with. And um, and I remember, you know, seeing reading the newspapers in jail and, and just thinking to myself, like, holy cow, like I am so lucky. It didn't like, you know, I didn't feel lucky because I was in jail, but also I felt lucky that I was alive. And um you know, I made a lot of bad choices, man. I, 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 I deserve to be in jail. I did things that, and I pled guilty to everything. I've always, um, you know, been accountable for my actions. Um, but you don't do those things without being in, in the desperation of severe, severe addiction. And when I was younger, I would judge people, you know, get a job. What are you stupid? Get off the street thinking that it's so easy and life kicked my ass, man. It put me, it put me down and it, and it made me understand that it can happen to anybody. Our choices matter. Um, trauma plays a big role. Um, you asked me about homelessness, man. This is something that people don't understand. I met some of the best people ever when I was homeless. It's hard to believe, but there are so many people in this world that, that have been through things that, you know, none of us will, will ever understand, but they have so much to give. Like I've met some of the best artists home in when I was homeless or in jail, some of the best, just the stuff that they can do. I'm just like, wow. Um, you know, but some of them couldn't even write their own names. And here I was like, wow, what a, what a perspective shift. Uh, one thing that I will say that I'm like, maybe one of the things I'm most proud of doing was that I helped three people graduate when I was in jail because like I graduated, I'm not the smartest guy, but it made me realize that, holy shit. Like I, I lived in a pretty big life of privilege, man. I got to play hockey. I always had a roof over my head. The stories that I heard from, from other people, it made me understand the world at a, at a great, at a way greater level. And, um, 
it's again, one of these things that if you're listening and you really know my story, you're like, how can you really say that you feel grateful that you went through all that? Let me tell you, I feel so grateful that I went through that because it's equipped me with, with knowledge. And I feel like almost like superpowers that help me understand and see the world differently where I can, you know, I can leave this place a little bit better than when I found it. And no hockey career ever would have made me feel that way. Um, the way that it makes me feel when I'm able to help somebody else, like it, it's really hard to explain. Um, it would take me all year to really go into details about just the the power that that it carries to to be able to go through something like that make it out the other side and know that your experience can help even if it's just one person well that's so fascinating you said about the, some of the people you met when you were homeless just because i mean addiction doesn't care where you're from who you are yeah. you know what your background is it can take you from anywhere and it can take the strongest of people right and it's happening to some of the people that you a never thought it would happen to or you know it's just anybody right and that's fasting you said that um what kept you going through all this would you, like let me kind of rephrase that would you say that was something keeping you going or did you just not care what was going to happen to you i did not care and i wish i had a better answer for it i wish i could have told you that i really believed i think somewhere in my core being knew that i was going to make it through it something like it didn't feel that way but now that i look back it almost felt like there was no choice but to go through it like multiple times i and again this might be hard to hear i intentionally overdosed with enough fentanyl to kill like 10 people and you know, would do it in a place where I wasn't going to be found. But then somebody would somehow be in that exact spot. For example, like my mom's neighbor found me behind a bush that if he didn't leave 15 minutes early for work and there wasn't a police officer parked on the road because it was like six in the morning doing the end of the shift paperwork and right there with naloxone, like I'm not alive. And there was multiple instances like that where I didn't care. I didn't want to be alive. The amount of hopelessness that I felt, uh, I can't, I can't portray that because I'm not there anymore, but it was so dark and so hopeless. And, and, and you don't do things that I did in my addiction of becoming homeless and, and committing certain crimes and doing things without not caring. And, and it felt like, it's not that I didn't want to care. It just got so exhausting after a decade of in and out of rehabs and in and out of psych wards and, and feeling like I'm never going to get through it. It felt, it, it just kind of felt like a, a dead end road until I was like, finally, I just give up and I want it out. But some miracle kept me going. And now I've been able to take my pain and turn it into purpose. And it's been it's been incredible. And, and so I think, you know, my, I, and it's sad to say, like I had kids, I have kids, I had kids prior to my addiction and, and unfortunately they had to, you know, live through it and, and watch a lot of it. Um, and, uh, and I wish I had a better reason that I could say, you know, this or that kept me going. But when you're living in that place and until you lived it, you can't understand it. It is so dark and it is so hopeless and I can't sugarcoat it. 
Um, it, it felt like I was never going to get out of it. And that's why it's so important for me to share that because there's so many people that also feel like that. And it doesn't have to be homelessness or incarceration or psych wards. There's people with really high paying jobs with really nice cars and really nice houses. And on the outside, you think everything's okay, but inside they feel extremely dark, extremely heavy, and they need to know people that are in that situation, they need to hear stories like mine because unfortunately they are few and far between. When you get to these lows, most people don't make it out of it, but we need to change that because the reality is people are always going to struggle. We can't stop it all, but we can change the narrative and we can show hope versus tragedy. We, we have to share, share the messages of hope, carry that message. And that's why I choose to recover out loud. You know, there's certain programs that you're not supposed to talk about because anonymity and AA and NA and, you know, we got to keep it all quiet. And I respect everybody's anonymity. I know stuff about people that nobody knows, prominent people, people that nobody's never heard about. I know a lot of stuff about a lot of people. But for me, I don't need to share that stuff. But for me, I know that I need to recover out loud because there is somebody out there that needs to hear my story because they're living in that dark place that I was living in. Recover out loud. I really like that. Mm -hmm. Man, that's a game changer. Um, is that where the journey started to change for you after the jail? Is this where it starts to go from the lowest to the lows to, I know I, I just, Hey dude, I fucking love that you can laugh about it. First of all, to, like, I, I think it's so, it's so cool that you can do that and even almost be a little self-deprecating too. It's just, it's, it's very refreshing, but you go from the lowest to lows. Is that about where the trend starts to go back up? Yeah. Let me tell you, it was hard because when you live in that place for 10 years, you talk, I talked about, you know, talking a different way, walking a different way. When I was moving into the Western hockey league, same thing happened when I spent three years in jail. And let me tell you, you see movies, you see TV shows. That's the way it is. They do a very good job portraying it on TV. What's jail? Like? Um, I got to cut you it's off. It's rough, What's dude. Like? It's rough, man. I saw a lot of different things. There's rules and politics and, and, um, and, and it was, it was, I was wet behind, behind the ears when I first got in there, but I left a prisoner, man. Like I was in there for three years and you're either eat or be eaten. So I thought, you know, I'm going to play this game. I felt like I was on big brother, man. Like I'm going to survive. I'm going to do things. And, and, and I got in and, and I'll tell you the hockey player thing certainly helped, you know, you've seen it. You've, you've gotten certain privileges yeah. because you played hockey. It's no different in jail, man. When I, when it came out front page news, I was devastated. That was front page news here. I'm incarcerated. My parents got to deal with the whole thing. My friends, everyone's talking about it probably while I'm locked in this little cell and on the range with these, some like murderers and, and, and hardened criminals. And, and I'm so ashamed of myself, but in there, it like gave me some credibility. They're like, Hey, we'll take care of you. You're hot. like, whatever. Right. And, um, you know, there's a lot of fighting and a lot of violence. Um, but also still when you can sift through that and you can, you, you can kind of, you know, find the good ones. And there was, there was some good people in there as well. There's some really bad people in there too, obviously, but there was some good people. And it's just one of those things where I now have the experience and I know what the system is like. And I know what they do and, and more what they don't do to help people. And so it gives me a, a greater perspective on, on how I can spend my time moving forward in, in this life of, of just making the world better place from, from the systems of, of mental health, addiction, homelessness, jail, all of that, which is sort of, uh, sort of my goal long term is to make a, an impact in, in the spaces kind of bigger than just hockey and just kind of using hockey as that vehicle to, to sort of maybe get me in some rooms that I wouldn't get in or, or 
or at a table on a range in, in yeah. Penetanguishing that I wouldn't be sitting at if I wasn't a hockey player. Right. And, um, and that's sort of, and sort of what I've been doing, but you asked about sort of the mend and it was really hard to rebuild my life, man. Um, took me out like if you listen to my early I have a podcast too if you listen to my early podcast I sound like a completely different person I talked a different way um and, and uh, it's humbling to go back and listen to those and it's kind of funny I just laugh at it crackly audio like I didn't dude I was on welfare man like I left jail I was on welfare didn't own I had jail issued shoes didn't have anything didn't have a dollar to my name didn't have a friend didn't have a social media account didn't have a cell phone didn't have a computer I had to borrow everything for a while and slowly start to accumulate things. Um, but I started a, a podcast and before doing that, I actually uh, got a pair of skates. This is a really cool story. One that I share quite often. Um, when I got out of jail, the Swift Current Broncos reached out to me and let me tell you, man, I, I fast forward a lot of stuff that happened in Swift Current. I was a problem on and off the ice at different times um, for different reasons. But underneath it all, I've always been a genuinely really good person. And I think people know that. I just had my struggles with other things. They actually sent me a pair of skates. You talk about the picture we looked at earlier with the custom, you know, white tongues and the whole thing. They sent me, I'd been removed from hockey. I hadn't been on skates in 10 years, man. And they sent me the brand new, I forget, I think it was 2018 or 19, whatever it was like Bauer, APX or whatever they were the first edition of whatever the high-end skate was that year and they come and they got the extended white tongues just like back in the day and with like a note saying you know forget about your old life like get back on the ice and um there's more that goes into that story but the long and the short of it is that i you know was able to put my my skates back on for the first time in almost 10 years and it was living in muskoka and found a lake and it was like mystery alaska dude it was like wasn't quite as pristine with the nice ice trail it was more of a, a a rough driveway that had snow melted and then froze so it was like an ice trail that was more rocks than ice down to the lake but I skated right down the driveway right onto this lake and it wasn't even shoveled there was probably a couple inches of snow but I was just buzzing around on the lake and again like I dude I didn't own a hockey stick didn't have gloves all I had was a thin of all things gong show hockey hoodie on and uh, and these skates I'll tell you though is the first time that that I really felt joy in, in a long, long, long time. So first time now that I recognize now that it was the first time that I had skates on where there wasn't a pursuit to something greater. This wasn't about me trying to play pro hockey or to make the next team or uh, anything. It was just this pleasure, pleasure right? Yeah. Why I started in the first place, why you started in the first place. And, um, and during that five minutes where I was skating around, I had this overwhelming sense that my story could help just one person and, uh, and, and kind of the rest is history. And it's been a, it's been an ongoing process, but started through the podcast and, and quickly found out that, you know, some of my former teammates were no longer here because of mental health and addiction issues and, and really wanted to do something bigger, bigger than myself, bigger than my story, because now all of a sudden I realized I'm not alone here, which I felt for so long. But now when I started to share my story, I started to get message after message after message. Hey, you know, you don't know me, but, you know, this is something I've went through or this is where I'm at and and realize how many people were struggling and how many people we had lost. And uh, that sort of just sort of gave me the purpose is how can I help the next the next person that comes in my path? And that's what's kept me on the straight and narrow. So tell me about what you're doing now. Oh, yeah. Uh, puck support um, and the traveling you're doing, speaking to, to kids and junior teams. 
Um, is it a lot of this same message? You're always around traveling. Talk to me about what's going on for you these days. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel very grateful uh, to be able to do the things that I do. I, number one, um, I really enjoy doing it. And that's something, you know, if you're watching or you're listening to this, if, if you're just living and, and you're not enjoying what you're doing, I would strongly suggest, you know, taking inventory and making some changes in your life because, I'm not 100% happy. I still struggle from from day to day, but but knowing that there's like purpose and a purpose driven life has, has saved me. Um, yeah, I travel around and I speak uh, to schools and and to hockey teams and to corporations. And depending on who I'm who I'm speaking with, I'll, I'll change my change my messaging. Uh, I think my niche has sort of been that young hockey player uh, or hockey family because so often we talk about hockey players. But what about the parents who have to say goodbye to their son or daughter who's either leaving for junior or college? Uh, there's a lot that goes in that. How, how can we better support our son or daughter who's moving away? Because I think, you know, I talked to my dad who's a scout in the Western Hockey League. He's been around hockey his whole life. But you you just sort of, okay, well, they go on their way and the coaches and the team's going to take care of everything. And I think they do a really good job at it most of the time, but you can't manage 20 bodies in a, in a city when kids are buzzing around after practice. Yeah, curfew at 11, but what happens till 11 type deal? Um, so I've really just tried to uh, hone in, especially right now on that maybe like 12 to, to 25 range, I think is the 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 key age but certainly high schools uh, just trying to change not just the culture in hockey but just in society of just being kind to one another sticking up for each other not allowing bullying and yeah and puck support uh started a nonprofit organization that we're still slowly getting off the ground uh to help support hockey players who are struggling and their parents and 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 whoever's a part of the hockey community with with issues such as trauma mental health substance misuse and abuse and um and supporting families who have lost uh their son or daughter to suicide or overdose um which is to my knowledge right now in our database 114 hockey players um which one is too many, 114, and those are just the ones that I've heard about, uh, ranging from 14-year-old girls all the way up to retired NHL players and everywhere in between. Um, so that, that you know, keeps me busy but really gives me great purpose. Um, just trying to help that. I'm going to continue to say it. Just try to help that next one person at a time, and that's that's been the secret to to you know, keeping myself on the straight and narrow. And some days it's easier than others. No, it's amazing what you're doing, man. It's incredibly powerful. And the fact that you can just sit down and talk so, so open about it is unbelievable. I think it's great that you're doing the 12 to 25. Those kids are so impressionable eh? at young ages. Uh, I also love that you mentioned how the coaching aspect has brought your love back a bit. Can you talk a bit about Muskoka hockey and how that started? You're, you're doing skills and teaching some of the NHL guys up there in Muskoka. Yeah, I'm teaching, but I, I sometimes think they're teaching me too. And that's the beautiful thing about this game. Um, yeah. So really, uh, just a cool story that, that, that I'll share as well. I was like, I live in Muskoka and it's no secret that a lot of NHL players have places up there and like to spend their time in the summer. And I knew that there was a, a group of guys skating. I had heard about it from a goalie that, uh, shout out Mitch Webb, who is a young goalie that they used to bring in as a, as attendee once in a while. And he's like, Hey, these guys are skating. And I just looked at my girlfriend one day and I was like, I'm going to be on the ice with Sam Gagne. I knew he was kind of the ringleader of that group. I didn't know him, man. I'm a Western League guy. I wasn't even following him on Instagram because I felt like this guy probably thinks I'm a loser. I'm not even going to follow him. Like, truthfully, this is where I was at. And he knows this. We laugh about it now. 
And I looked at my girlfriend, I'm like, I can be on the ice with Sam and those guys. And she's like, okay. And two weeks later, I was sitting there with her and my phone's like, Sam Gagne started following you. And then I get a message. He's like, hey man, our, our guy's gone. I've been following you from afar. A lot of us have. He's like, I love what you do off the ice, but I see what you're doing on the ice. How'd you like to come out and run one of our skates tomorrow? And I thought it was a joke at first. I'm like, but he's got the blue check mark. And I'm like, it's him. I'm like, still didn't believe it, that, it didn't, eh? like, I'm like, okay, like this is... And he's like, yeah, come out Monday. It was like a Friday. He's like, come out Monday or whatever. He told me to come at 1130. I showed up at a, like 1150 and said, I want to be too early. They're already on the ice. He told me the wrong time. And like JT's out there and like a bunch of other guys. And uh, JT's a punctual dude. Oh too. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I yeah. know that. Right. And like, Johnny I'm just Tavares, like, oh my God, sorry. I'm just like, oh, right. But I'm not, what am I going to give? I'm not going to give Sam shit about it at this time. Right. Cause I didn't know him. I just put my skates on and went out and uh, did my thing. Um, um, luckily there was another guy that was doing some stuff with, with Johnny and, um, and, uh, then he called me, he called me like, I was, I don't know if it was the next day or a couple hours later, text me. He's like, Hey man, the guys love you. How'd you like to come back and tomorrow and for the rest of summer. And so I did. And then we, me and him just kind of built a friendship. And, and then when last year he was in Winnipeg, um, we just kept talking and he decided that he wanted to do some more stuff for youth and, and kind of grow Musk Muskoka hockey. He's like, how'd you like to be the head coach and do some something like, Oh my God. So then last, last summer was really the first summer that, that I was full time with them and, and, um, being able to work, you know, with, I think we had over 40 full-time NHL guys come through at different times. Some are full-time, some come for a week, some come for a day. We even had Adrian Kempe. Like, what are you doing here from Sweden? You're in the middle of nowhere. Just Muskoka, come to skate with right? Brady. <laughs> right? And uh, it was just kind of cool. You never knew who was going to walk through that back door. And what a debt that I owe to to guys like Sam and, and like Bo Horvat, one of the best guys. I don't even like to name because they're all unbelievable people. We see them on TV. I know you, you're doing a fantastic job. I, I love... I love you on Monday nights there on Sportsnet, man. I, you do another nights too? Oh, on three days a week, baby. You're three now? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Maybe I'm just – every day feels like a Monday or a Friday to me. It feels like I'm just always watching hockey. And I guess, yeah, you're always on. I'm just your, – your staple Monday. Though. Oh, yeah. Well, you're, first and foremost, you said one thing, dude. No, Nobody thinks you're crazy. I remember <laughs> the first thought that I thought of when I saw your Instagram and your podcast was how envious I was – of your vulnerability. And I just think it's so brave, so courageous. Um, and what you're doing really is truly, truly important, man. God's work. Um, we're, uh, we're right around new year's now. I want to ask you one more question yeah. before we, um, cut this out. Sorry, not cut this out before we end this thing. <laughs> um, what is your core message to those struggling hockey player or not? looking for a fresh start in 2024? Yeah, that's a really great question. There's, there's a few, and I'll just kind of go off on a riff for a minute here. I think for me, getting honest was, was so hard. Um, for so long, I wanted to um, do things my way, and, and, and my way just didn't work, and I had to get honest and and part of that was addressing the things that happened to me when I was a kid and and for me that's what it is but for somebody watching or listening it could be any number of things and I hate when people compare traumas or stories everything's perspective if you have feelings towards something or if you're hurting it's valid you're not alone and you talk about vulnerability. I have a saying that, that I have, you know, on t-shirts from our clothing line and stuff that says vulnerability is strength. Um, 
It, it truly is. And it, it's uncomfortable sometimes, but I've found that once I was willing to get vulnerable, once I was willing to ask for help, it felt like the world came off my shoulders. And all of a sudden it built this community of people, like-minded people who you know, have gone through or are going through similar things that now I feel connected to other people. Those people feel connected. And, you know, we, we all have the ability to change our own lives, but also the lives of those around us. And so, um, you know, I think getting honest, getting vulnerable and, and a very simple one that I always say, if you're really, really stuck, if you're really stuck and you can't get out of your own way, everything feels heavy, get out there and, and, perform an act of service. It doesn't have to be something huge. Just do something for somebody else without expecting anything in return. I have a sort of a mantra that is, you know, the daily random act of kindness. For me, it might be different than you, but it might just be something as simple as holding the door for somebody and saying, have a nice day, a smile, giving a homeless person money, whatever you can do. Um, and, and now, you know, heading into the new year is, is, is a time when, when a lot of people, you know, are in need. And, um, and again, sometimes it's just in need of that smile. And, and so get out there, perform an act of service, get involved, get connected because you're not alone. And there's people out there who love and care about you. And, and there's a lot of people you don't know yet who love and care about you. But once you're willing to get vulnerable and allow those people in, your world will change. A question I get asked a lot is things that I wish I would have done differently as opposed to how I did them. And I don't always like looking in the past because sometimes that gives me a lot of anxiety about the choices I made. But I do want to ask you about, you know, maybe possibly some scenarios, especially for kids listening on what you did then versus kind of what you wish you would have done. Um, the first one I'll give you is let's say on the road with the guys and kind of after games, is there a way you handled those that you would have done differently? Yeah, I think for me, I was, a. Uh just for me, I was a bit of a recluse. I wish that I would have leaned on my teammates a little bit more for, for debrief and, and, and maybe been more open to having dialogue about my own game and, and their games and, and just sort of being open with my teammates uh, because I was, I just felt like I wanted to get away from the rink, away from my teammates, uh, especially if it was a bad game. And uh, I had a real hard time taking criticism. I'm going to frame this two ways. I was going to say you being a new player going, going to a new team, but also having a new player come yeah. to your team. So put yourself in those shoes as well. I think as a new player coming to a team right away, I want to identify who the leaders are. I want to identify who are the guys that want to get to where I want to go to, who are the guys that are putting in the extra work after practice. Those are the guys that I want to spend my time with. Um, the ones who are, and we're talking maybe junior hockey, if you're a junior hockey player, hang out with the guys who, who are putting in the work and who have the same idea of where they want to get to, because you can, you can hang around with the wrong people and end up in the wrong places real quick. The other side of that is if you have a new member on your team, welcome him with open arms, make sure that he or she feels like they are part of the team, regardless of their skill level, regardless of their age, bring them in, make them feel part of, take them out for lunch, do whatever you got to do and, uh, and make sure they feel involved and welcomed. It'll go a long ways. Um, at the end of the day, you have to, you have to work as a team. It's an individual uh, road to maybe where you want to get to, but everybody has more success when you're working together. Uh, last one, this is kind of niche, but I read an article and 
your answer perfectly portrayed my experience of going to high school while playing junior hockey. And it was not a great one for me. We, I went to an American high school and we battled with the athletes there, mostly the football players. Uh, we were a whole different crew of people, but I read an article that was similar about you at Swifty that you had some issues in school. So the question I'll ask, what you did then versus how you wish you would have acted in school while playing hockey. Yeah, I think I, I would have been more open to meeting new people and, um, and and having an understanding that I'm coming into a new school. And, and a lot of these people have been coming to this school for, for years and, and they all know each other. Uh, I certainly walked with a bit of a chip on my shoulder and I let you know comments and, and what people said to me really affect me. And I wish that I would have just been maybe a little bit more open to, to learning about who these people were, where they come from, uh, instead of, uh, you know, thinking maybe I was better than coming from a bigger city to a small, maybe farming community in my, in my situation. Um, but yeah, just, just wish I would have mingled more and, and met more people because eventually the hockey ends and, and, and your network is, is pretty, pretty important, isn't it? It really is. This is for real last one because I, I kind of, oh man, if there's one that I identify with, it's this one a lot. Um, fighting so much slash just playing with a lot of anger and emotion and anger are kind of different things. I was very angry a lot. Yeah, me too. And um, I thought at the time that it was a strength of mine that I played better when I was angry. Uh, but it did, I think, more damage than, than it did good. Um, I just wish I could have enjoyed it a little bit more. Oh, the buddy. whole process, not just yeah. the game, but being in the room, being a part of, because it ends so quickly. And all of a sudden, you're on the outside looking in going, man, that was that was the best being in those situations. Because when you're in it and you're doing it every day and it's a job, which it is, even though you're playing a game for a living, it's hard. And then there's days where you, you know poor me or whatever and at the end of the day when it's when it's gone man do we miss it like i said it's incredible what you're doing if you're out there listening if you're struggling don't be afraid to ask for help heck dm you no yeah yeah <laughs> i'm not i'm not always the best at getting like right away but i do make sure that i get back to everybody um if you have messaged me and i haven't messaged you back just message me again you're never bugging me it's just sometimes i have my own stuff going on it's important to remember people see my story and they see how i've been able to rebuild my life but it hasn't come with with you know the just the ebbs and flow of life. You know, there's been days where it's been hard for me to get out of bed or to keep going, but you know, I just keep doing the next right thing. And, and, and that's, that's something that you can do as well. You don't expect man. Rome, it's old to saying Rome wasn't built overnight. It's so true. You've got to have patience with yourself, give yourself grace, man. And, uh, yeah, keep up the good work on, on sports. And I, I love that they, they actually have people that know what they're talking about. I probably shouldn't say that. Um, but, but sometimes it's, it's nice to get that, that player's perspective and you're doing one hell of a job, Gazzy. So keep it up. And I greatly, greatly appreciate, uh, you having me on and, uh, wish you nothing but the best of success with with the pod and with sports and whatever else you decide to take on i'm sure you'll do a great job awesome man well thanks uh thanks for saying i know what i'm talking about at least i'm fooling somebody out there uh what's the podcast called hockey to hell and back so we'll have to get you on at some point it's uh it's not quite the production is mitts off um, but uh we're, we're a step up i i do own my own computer now and 
there uh, you go. I'm not, I'm just <laughs> and I'm not sitting in somebody's car recording uh, episodes anymore like I was three years ago. Um, but yeah, it's available on all podcast platforms. I've kind of put a pause on it, but looking forward to getting it fired back up soon. Amazing, brother. Thank you for your time. All right, man. Thank you.